Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Hey Hey NWA. We are sitting in Markham and Fitz in Bentonville uh, with Lauren Blanco and Preston Stewart. Thanks for being on the show, guys. Thanks for having, Thanks for having us. us. It's fun. And first observations, just right off the bat, being in Markham and Fitz, it just smells so delicious. You can smell the cocoa in the air, and I'm trying to make the listener a little bit jealous right now that they're not in Markham and Fitz smelling delicious chocolate. So <laughs> just want to put that out there. Yeah. So can you guys tell us what Markham and Peyton hinted at it? Yeah. Now you got to guess. What, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> what is it that Markham and Fitz is as a business and what is it that you guys do? We are a chocolate factory and dessert bar. So we manufacture chocolate from bean to bar. So we start with raw cocoa beans. We roast them in-house, grind it down into chocolate. And then we make chocolate bars, confections like pastries and truffles. And then we also have a dessert bar. So we make drinks, non-alcoholic, and cocktails and wine. So We don't well, make wine, but yeah, we serve it. <laughs> wine is also here. This is too clear. <laughs> so you guys are chocolate people. No, we're totally chocolate people. You're yeah. chocolate people. Gotcha. Um, how is it that both of you or either of you got into chocolate making. What is the term for chocolate making anyway? Chocolate making. Just chocolate making. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're not like a chocolatier or I technically am. There's a, there is a delineation and I can chocolate makers start with cocoa beans and make chocolate. Uh Chocolatiers typically start with chocolate and make confections. And that's often like purchased industrially produced chocolate. And then they'll make truffles and bonbons and decorative things. Um, but we do both here. So we make okay. chocolate and then we use our chocolate in our confectionery work as well. And how common is that to be doing both of those in-house at once? There aren't many chocolate makers that also do their own confections. Um, and there are much fewer chocolatiers that make their own chocolate. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I haven't like done any data on it. But there's, most chocolatiers don't start with bean-to-bar chocolate. I'm a, that I'm aware of. Gotcha. Okay. So how did you get into this, Preston? Can you tell us your story of how you became a chocolatier? Sure. Um, started back in like 2014. Um, a mutual friend of ours um, started making chocolate um, after doing a nonprofit trip to Uganda um, with some friends. And I was just involved early on. He was He was a friend of mine from after college. And so I was you know, wrapping chocolate bars and helping them come up with interesting flavors. Mm -hmm. I've always had kind of a culinary bent. Um, Always enjoyed being in the kitchen. Always had a sweet tooth. So chocolate was a pretty good um, spot for me. And when I first tasted craft chocolate, it was very eye-opening. Like I had never had chocolate that was so flavorful. Mm. So that was kind of where my interest peaked. And then um, we decided to make a business of it. And my role in chocolate making was kind of from the technical side and the production side. So my degree back in college was in biochemistry and I've always had kind of a nerdy approach to doing things. Uh So, um, kind of 
dove into the science of chocolate and how it's made and took an online course through a school in Vancouver to like technically learn the bean to bar chocolate making process. Even though we'd already been making chocolate for a little while, I wanted to kind of confirm that what we were doing was the right way to do it. And it was, um, and then early last year, I took another online course through Ecole Chocolat, the same school, to be a professional chocolatier. So learn more about the um, techniques and the decorations and the different types of molded chocolates. And it was more along the lines of the little, the cute little fancy chocolates uh-huh. that you see in like a patisserie or chocolatier right. shop. Gotcha. And what and about you, Lauren? What was it that brought you to this room and doing this sort of thing? <laughs> um, I feel like it's kind of a long story um, or in, indirect way to get here. Um, so my background uh, is in like kind of grassroots level economic development. Um, I worked for an NGO for almost five years um, and we help p- facilitate small business development in war-torn countries and um it was through that experience that I was exposed to business as a means of doing good and um, saw that kind of like the small, like personal, like relationship driven business models were really effective and important in communities. Mm-hmm. And um, I also got to visit my first cacao farm through that experience. And um, that's kind of where like my whole drive behind running a business kind of came. Um, and then of course I tasted craft chocolate, the bean to bar chocolate for the first time. And that's became its own like passion, you know? Um, and that, yeah, just kind of developed from there. So, um, yeah, we started the business back in 2014 and at the time, you know, I just kind of joined in on kind of the marketing side of things. I, I felt like I really had a vision for what I wanted the company to look like and, you know, communicate to others. And I really love like words. Both of us love language, you know, it's something that, um, I don't know, it's just fun. And it's kind of a interest for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's been a long journey and it's crazy that we've opened this space. It, it's kind of surreal. I, I don't take a lot of time to sit back and think on it, but, um, yeah. It's come um, a long way. We have, we have, yeah, definitely come a long way. Two things. Uh, one, are either of you from Northwest Arkansas originally? No. no. I'm, I'm from Arkansas, but not Northwest Arkansas. I mean, I came here for college in 2004 and I've lived here ever since. So I'm pretty much a local, okay. but I, wasn't, I didn't grow up here. Yeah. 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 I feel like I've been here long enough. Uh, it feels local, but I grew up in Louisiana. Okay. And did Markham and Fitz start here in Northwest Arkansas or was it somewhere else before? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. started, started in Fayetteville and then we transitioned up here to Bentonville last fall. Mm-hmm. Okay. And second question. So when you say you love words, what do you mean by that? Oh, <laughs> um, well, I feel like I really love language. Um, I, I, uh, one of my majors in college was French. Um, I also studied Swahili. Um, language is a way of connecting with and communicating with others. And, um, it's just a particular medium of connecting with people that I really enjoy. Um, I have, I also studied cultural anthropology and so language 
made sense, you know, connecting to other people in different places. And so cacao is also a way to connect with people in different places. I don't know. It just somehow makes sense. I know Stu loves language too, though. He's studied Spanish. Yeah. Spanish is my minor. And so anytime I get a chance to connect and communicate in Spanish, it's, it just kind of enlivens me and visiting cacao farms last year in Central America was tons of fun, not only to learn about the agricultural side of it, but also just to kind of like be immersed and be there and in their in their home turf. Yeah, yeah. And so you both have an affinity for language and culture, which mm-hmm. yeah, it's fantastic. So, what is the experience like? Because we, I mean, home brewing in this area seems to like be blowing up. Is there like a similar sort of culture around chocolate for like the home brewer? I would say not in this area, but uh, there's kind of this like small little budding, very tiny sphere of like people that are into it. Uh-huh. Um, it requires like just equipment and stuff that I think that there's more to it than what's required for brewing beer or roasting coffee. You know, there's like so many more steps in the process of chocolate making um, that makes it harder to get into i would say um but it's also new and so i think that it could definitely grow on the home front so what are those steps what is it like to make chocolate because i've i have no idea how the chocolate is made i'm gonna be real i'm just now realizing well let me tell you please do Uh, so the first thing in making good chocolate is starting with good cocoa beans because that's the primary ingredient so we source cacao from a lot of different countries around the world and they are from there's kind of two realms in the cacao world there's commodity cacao and then fine flavor cacao which generally is um a higher quality flavor sometimes more difficult to grow Um, more care is taken in the you know the harvesting and the post-harvest process like fermentation and drying and so and it's typically the craft chocolate makers like us that purchase this fine flavor cacao um, in smaller quantities than the big conglomerates, and also um, it's more expensive right. than what the big multinational companies buy by the boatload. Um, so good cacao is the first start. Um, and then after that, we once we receive the cocoa beans, we'll sort through them to make sure that there's not any debris like twigs or pebbles that might damage the equipment or stuff you wouldn't want to have in your chocolate. So we do that by hand, and then we roast the cacao um, we've got a little drum roaster here that we use to do four things real quick. Develop the flavor, re- reduce moisture content, um, somewhat sanitize the exterior of the cocoa bean, and then also to help the inside of the cocoa bean called the nib separate from the outer shell so that it can go through the next step more easily, which is called winnowing. And so that's where the cocoa beans are crushed after they're roasted and the using a vacuum system with density, it'll suck up the shells because they're really thin and like papery and the nib being more dense will fall down. So that's separating the shell from the bean. Um, next is grinding. So we will put the cocoa, what they're called nibs in a large stone grinder. Um, and it'll start to crush the cocoa nibs down into what's called cocoa liquor, just using the sheer force and heat created by the friction. Um, and so it'll liquefy the cocoa beans because they're about 50% fat naturally. 
Um, then we'll add sugar, other flavors like milk. If it's a milk chocolate, we'll add dry milk. If it's, we'll add coffee into some. We add supplemental cocoa butter into other chocolate. Um, and so that grinding process, you can probably hear them in the background. It's a nice calming hum. Takes about three to five days, and they just the machines run continuously. Wow. So that's to reduce the particle size so that it's super smooth and you don't feel any grit on your tongue. Um, the next stage is tempering, in which you melt the chocolate and then adjust the temperature of it while it's in motion so that the cocoa butter stabilizes. That allows you to have like a nice shiny finish and a snap when you break into the chocolate bar. Hmm. Gotcha. And then it's on to wrapping. So from bean to a hand-wrapped bar takes around a week to, per batch. Wow. And I'm curious how much of that, and this could just be my ignorance, is analogous to coffee production. Because you're, you're roasting beans, but... From there, I'm not sure how coffee's made either. I'm just not <laughs> smart at all. So how much of that is analogous? I think it's more similar on the agricultural side in that you're harvesting. There's a short fermentation process, I believe, for coffee. Drying, usually patio style. That's very similar. Um, fermentation in cacao is much longer. It's usually three to five days. Um, but then once, it's, once it arrives... Roasting after the roasting process, pretty much you're done with coffee until you grind it and brew it. So that's, I would say, a much shorter process to have a finished product than for chocolate because of the many days required for grinding and then molding and then wrapping or turning it into something else like a truffle or uh, melting well, it down for a dipping, a tr dipping something. A lot more steps. I would so say so. So you guys talked about, you mentioned sourcing some of these these cocoa beans from South America. Are there other places in the world that grow cocoa beans? Is it like primarily a South American export? What's the deal with cocoa? Where in the world does cocoa come from? <laughs> it's a great way I'll to I'll give you the question. short answer and then Lauren can elaborate on it probably. So it's grown in the tropics between 20 north and 20 south latitude, like coffee. Um, so generally... Central and South America, some of the Caribbean, Central Africa, and then even Southeast Asia. Um, so that's kind of the regions where it's grown. And then there's a lot of differences in the processes and um, quality and scale from there. So it can be found in lots and lots of different countries. I think that makes it hard to, hard to choose sometimes. Right. So you can get beans from all over the place. And do those do those cocoa beans from different places have different notes or like the oh, way yeah. coffee does or yeah what, what and what influences that what causes like different notes to come out in chocolate or otherwise like I mean I think a lot of people describe it as the terroir like the land the you know the soil that the the plant is grown in it it takes on what's around it the the air you know all the natural elements affect the flavors. I mean, like some beans we just roasted recently tasted like bananas. It was crazy. I was like, it must have been grown in a banana field. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, um, but then, you know, there's like, um, 
other beans that taste completely different or they taste like tangy and fruity or other ones taste more kind of classic and chocolatey, maybe some nutty flavors. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, it, a lot of people just chalk it up to land. <laughs> yeah, the, the terroir is, the I would say, the biggest thing. Another big differentiator in the flavor is the, the species of the cocoa tree okay. that's growing it. So, um, yeah, there's different species and certain ones have more delicate flavors and some are more robust and hearty and maybe not as nuanced. Hmm. How, how do you guys decide where to get cocoa beans from too? Cause having such like a widespread, like you can get it from all these places. How do you guys like choose where the cocoa that you guys get comes from? I feel like it's a tough choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's sometimes it's kind of hard to answer. So I answer like kind of one part of it. Maybe you'll chime in, but um, I mean, we, we want to have relationships to some degree with, with our supply chain and we get to work with some really incredible companies that have direct connections with lots and lots of farmers in different places. And, um, so it, and it takes a lot, a long time to develop those relationships. And so that's something that we've kind of been learning along the way. Like, you know, who do we want to partner with? What, you know, relationships are going to last. How do we find beans that can be supplied on a consistent basis? Um, there's lots of questions to be asked. So, I mean, currently there's, you know, two companies that we work with that, that, um, you know, our goal is to build, you know, long-term relationships with that we can go, you know, have an, have access to go visit the farms and, um, kind of build on that relationship throughout the process or throughout our, you know, business Mm -hmm. life of business. But, um, yeah. I mean, and then there, of course there's other like flavor, flavor elements. Flavor is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certain regions or countries are known for having distinct flavor notes. So it's like we want to, in our shop, we want to have a nice kind of variety of flavor profiles for people to enjoy mm-hmm. and the chocolate, something kind of classic and familiar, something maybe a little bit more unfamiliar and mm-hmm. extraordinary. That's like, whoa, this is chocolate. What do you, what do you put in this? We're like, nothing. That's the flavor of the cocoa bean. Yeah. Just sugar. So. I think at one point I realized that, you know, what we all, what we carry also just really reflects our own taste at the same time. Because there's lots of chocolate makers that get beans from different places than us, and lots of them are really good. And then there are also some that I just really don't like, you know. And I, I've kind of started to realize, like, oh, I have a particular, like, you know, preference towards certain types of beans and certain flavor profiles. And so, you know, we lean into that a little bit, but we also want to, you know, offer diversity um, but there, you know, we have, we have four origins in our current lineup. Um, we'd love to have tons, but there's kind of a balance between having, you know, a diverse offering and efficiency in production. Uh, there's always the tension there. Yeah. And I imagine a piece of that is like, you talk about the time it takes to develop those relationships with farms, even mm-hmm. like trying to find what's going to be the best fit for us and also turning around to customers and trying to offer variety like each one of those varieties seems like it takes a lot of time just to get to the point of saying like we can now offer this as a menu item consistently or whatever um can you talk a little bit about developing those relationships how did you even start to start looking for farms like i have no idea how any of this works which is yeah um yeah i'll start from the very beginning do the do it 
um, because I, I think it's a good like educational piece. So uh, when we started our company, like I had mentioned earlier, you know, I was working for an NGO and um, we were, you know, kind of the, the concept of direct trade was was on my mind. I was like, man, like we, you know, we're going to do direct trade. We're going to work with the farmers. We're going to go p- visit them and pick up the beans and bring them back. And, you know, it kind of had this train of thinking in my head. And then I realized, I got back and realized that, oh man, like we'd have to sell a lot of chocolate to afford to go visit these places that grow it. <laughs> and how do we get it back? Um, and it through customs kind of a, and there's all these. Well, yeah. And then there's customs and oh man, I, I've had some fun custom experience bringing <laughs> chocolate beans, cocoa beans back in suitcases and saran wrap cardboard boxes. That's um, oh. been a fun experience. But um, so we learned a lot in the beginning and realized like, oh, there are strategic, you know, partnerships that help us connect to these farms. And we just didn't even know about them when we got started. We just knew a guy that had a cocoa farm and we were like, hey, can we uh, try some of those beans? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so, I mean, it's evolved a lot um, since the, that, you know, first moment of visiting a cacao farm. Then last spring we visited cacao farms from a couple suppliers that we now work with and have the relationship with. So it's it's been cool to have that kind of transition from and it like let's just give it a shot to like okay we work with you. Let's can we learn from you and yeah, can we meet yeah. the people that are har- can we harvest with you? Let's let's taste it raw. And so that's been it was cool to kind of shorten the supply chain by getting to know some of those people. Does, so, that, does that answer your well, question? Well, and oh. I think there's still a gap. So yeah. right now we work with a couple of companies that that do that sourcing, you know, from the farm, and then they provide it to the makers, and we're like us. Mm-hmm. So, um, and one of the companies works. Uh, they're called Uncommon Cacao. They they work with a lot of different. Um, cocoa farms um, and and cooperatives around, you know, South America, uh, the Caribbean. Um, Central America, yeah. mm -hmm. Haiti, Guatemala, Belize, Dominican Republic, um, Colombia. And so, yeah, I mean, they they provide that initial connection. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so we were able to visit some of the farms um, with their help uh, in Guatemala last year. Um, and then the other company we work with, um, is an NGO that's working to, um, with a co-op in Nicaragua that's, um, kind of building up their business, cacao business there. And, um, and so they're focused just on Nicaragua and we just got connected through people here and, um, kind of like their story and went to visit them last year and, you know, we're just trying to give them business. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Lately, if we've as we've been interviewing small businesses, I've wondered kind of over and over again, what has caused you to take that leap into your small business and say, okay, I'm going to take this risk. Um, this is going to give me my income, you know, from, from here on out. Uh, is there a particular moment that you made that jump or... Or maybe a point in time that you realized, hey, this thing could actually be something substantial. I guess I'm directing that a little bit more towards Lauren since she is on the small business development 
side of things. Ah. And that's your background. Well, I, I know we both have had our moments. Well, aha uh-huh. uh-huh moments. So I can share my part of the story. Um, oh, I'm trying to even think where to start. Um, so for me, I feel like it was a slow process. Um, when we got started, I wouldn't have started a business by myself. Um, I was too scared. <laughs> I did not want all that responsibility. And, and it's almost like the tables flipped after a while. And now I feel like I've, I mean, you know, we're sharing all the responsibility together and it's a lot. Um, and I would, if I had, you know, a lot of people say that if I had known what I was getting into uh-huh. at the beginning, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, that was certainly true in a way for me. Um, so, you know, we started our company and I, I kind of started with a smaller role. And then, um, because my husband and I lived in Missouri at the time and, um, and we, we kind of came to a point where we were deciding, okay, are we going to move away? We were thinking about moving overseas for my husband's schooling and we're like, are we going to move away? Are we going to move back to Fayetteville for this chocolate shop? And we were like, let's do the chocolate shop. <laughs> <laughs> London was the other place on the table. Oh, no um, Lame. <laughs> <laughs> who wants to go to London? <laughs> um, so th- that was, that was definitely a big moment where we saw potential in the company to the extent that we said, we want to move our lives back here and see what we can do with it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I would just say that, I mean, my husband and I both um, have just kind of that natural entrepreneurial spirit. Like, something happened within me (laughs) in the past like three or four years that just I just feel like there's a drive inside of me and it's just always on go guys (laughs) like it just doesn't stop (laughs) and it's it's a little bit overwhelming at times but um sometimes I feel like it's hard to answer like even where it comes from it's just Mm -hmm. um I I think that if I look deeper you know I could answer that on a deeper level but well then where does it how does it manifest itself? I guess if we can't answer where it comes from, like when do you see it pop up and you're like, Oh, that's my entrepreneurial spirit. Oh, all, but that's there. It's just all the time. It's like, Oh man, we've got to create this new product and do this. And I mean, like, I, I feel like I'm the kind of person that wants to do a million things at once. Um, she's got this notebook. It's got a lot of pages and it's just <laughs> full of ideas and to do's and she just cranks it out. <laughs> Um, no, I feel like, I mean, it's a a constant manifestation of like just everything. Just, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just (laughs) how you live your life. It's It's, how I live my life. It's just very organic to you. It is now. Yeah. And I feel like it, it wasn't always there. Um, you know, looking back, like in college, I never imagined I would be an entrepreneur. I, like I said, I studied cultural anthropology in French. And my parents used to say, so, like, are you sure you don't want to, like, get into business school or, you know, like, something like that? <laughs> I don't know why I like telling it like that. But, uh, you know, like trying to hint, like, oh, do something different. <laughs> um, and somehow I ended up in business. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I guess it's just part of growing up and, you know, you change over time or you learn new things through different experiences. And, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think that, you know, okay. So where I was going with that story, kind of backtracking a little bit. So, um, when my husband and I moved back to Fayetteville, um, 
I think there was a big shift in me and how I viewed like my role and um, the vision for the company. I, there was a, a, a couple year period where we didn't really have anyone like leading or in charge. Um, everyone was working part time and there was no one in a full time position. Mm. And so when, when I moved back, I, I stepped into a full time position. Um, and that, that's just, I think when I let loose, <laughs> that's when it started. kicked in. That's when it kicked in. And I, and I, I wanted to, to see what I could make of it. Mm. So, yeah, from that from that point on, there was a direction, there was strategy, um, and yeah, gr until that point, we were making chocolate, selling it, farmers markets and retailers, and doing events occasionally, but there wasn't necessarily like a growth strategy. Um, for me, like when you were asking about the aha moment earlier, it was kind of like in doing interaction with customers and events and sharing the chocolate that we had produced with our hands with them and them experiencing that first craft chocolate aha moment like that kind of for me was like we can this is something that'll work we can we can make this into a, a good into a good thing and so and i think from the beginning we always wanted a space where people like where we could create that experience for people mm -hmm. it like in our own space and, and that's where this was kind of birthed out of so it's been in the in the dream for a long time um because the, re only, the retail space yeah you're not only talking about giving a, a bar of chocolate to somebody but bringing them in smelling all of the chocolate you know in the i air. never imagined that it would that the like smell experience would be part of it <laughs> but it like is one of the largest parts of the mm -hmm. experience here people walked in and say i followed my nose from yeah -yes. oh my god it <laughs> smells so amazing they're like <laughs> awesome because we <laughs> kind of got nose blind to it so we don't smell the chocolate much anymore although i have to say like my favorite smell in the whole world is freshly ground nibs like when we start batches of chocolate in the grinders mm. it, it doesn't smell like the chocolate smell when you walk in the door it's just like fresh bright like awakening kind of i don't know it's, it's like it's got a lot of volatile compounds in it so as it's <laughs> Let, let me nerd out real quick. Um, as the uh, acetic acid is releasing, no. so, yeah. So it's just it's it doesn't smell like chocolate cakey like you think of chocolate. It's just, mm -hmm. it smells like sometimes overwhelming. Like if you put on a hairnet and then hover over the grinder, <laughs> it's like whoa, this is very That's, aromatic. Yeah, yeah, I usually like to stick my nose over it. Hmm. What is so? Let's talk about the space that we're in right now. How like how is this space? Whether that is just having a space to work out of, whether that's being in the 8th Street Market, whether that's your neighbors that you have here close to you. How has the experience of being in a space affected either how you do chocolate or this is going to be broad uh, or how you share chocolate or uh, or how you see the future of the company? I mean, you know, with. With all of this culinary around definitely you, definitely broad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like multiple well, questions yeah. in one. Yeah, yeah. How is it just being in the space? What's what's been different for you guys being here, or what's been stuck out the most as being a different thing? Being in a space versus kind of doing it and Sales. selling it retail. <laughs> <laughs> kind of ironically, we we downsized coming here, so we oh, went spatially. Spatially, we're in a tighter space, and we're we have more equipment. And we're making many more things. So 
we kind of had to uh, restructure and organize some things in terms of production, like how much can Systems. we how much can we cram in here? Uh-huh. And so Literally. we put out a lot from a small space. Gotcha. Yeah. And it's all like when the listeners come into the shop, um, it's all visible. Like we've got glass everywhere. You can see the chocolate happening. And so that's a big experiential part of it. It's also a lot prettier. <laughs> True. <laughs> that's a big difference. I have to say that we used to manufacture chocolate in an old Mexican restaurant. And <laughs> stucco walls. <laughs> that okay. stucco walls. And when we turned the heat on in the winter, it still smelled like old oil. <laughs> Tortilla chip grease. <laughs> it didn't smell like chocolate as, as nicely as it does here. Um, no. <laughs> this has been an upgrade from that space. It's, yeah, it's been an upgrade. But um, no, what I wanted to say, though, as far as how is the experience different? That is what I have always been like super pumped about with this space. And that, I mean, I spent a year traveling around the U S visiting other dessert bars, cocktail bars, chocolate makers, like to, to see what other people were doing in kind of this concept. Um, and, and as I visited each place, places that, you know, really inspire me in a lot of ways, I kept, I kept tasting some of the things that they created and I kept thinking, oh, but it's not exactly what I want to create. And I think that that was a really defining moment saying like, oh, like I, I have something that stands out from, I'm not, I don't want to copy, you know, these people or these people, what they make is really incredible. And I take, you know, like we all take ideas from each other. And I think that I'm inspired in a lot of ways by other makers. Um, but I think that's what has been so cool and hard to do, <laughs> but um, to bring to life is is the chocolate experiences beyond the chocolate bar. Mm-hmm. Um, as amazing as our chocolate bars are, I love them and they're amazing and they should stay like our number one product. Um, but there is so much that you can do with chocolate. I think that kind of goes back to the thousand ideas yeah. at one time kind of person that I am. I like want to do everything with chocolate and I want, you know, we wanted to steep uh, nibs in different alcohols and create cocktails out of them. So we did. So <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, we, who doesn't like desserts? Let's make desserts <laughs> with chocolate because that's what it's good for. And um, and I, I wanted to do savory, but uh, we just realized we didn't have space for that. So <laughs> not right now. Not, not, right, not now. right now. Anyway. Um yeah, so I would say that the experience aspect is definitely like what we wanted to create and didn't have before. Um, gotcha. Visually, aromatically, <laughs> flavorly. Can we take a second and appreciate this? Uh, this is something I've always appreciated about this space is when I hear the name Markham and Fitz, I think teal, gold, white, and wood. Like it is like whoever is doing the marketing and branding and stuff it is like beyond i love it so much it's it's incredible she's blushing i whoa it is it is on point like and it's it's calming and it's distinct uh-huh. and it's just really beautiful i've just i've also really appreciated this aesthetic the aesthetics of the space are just yeah. great i mean 
aromatically speaking. Like, <laughs> yes, chocolate's we, all right. We've too. covered that part. But yeah, walking in the space, it's like I get it. Like I see it. Like it's it's there. And then even with mm. branding and stuff, I'm kind of a sucker for it. Whenever I see like the packaging, even as like there it is, like mm. it's good. Anyway. It's really great. I just, I wanted to know who did it because I wanted to say something about it because I really like it a lot and I appreciate it. I'll brag on her. Lauren did a great job with our designer and another family member of hers to kind of curate the look and yeah, she, she killed it, nailed it. Thanks. It's, thank you guys. Uh, it's been a long process and I have looked at it all for so long. I have I, I can't see it with fresh eyes. Mm -hmm. And so it's definitely um, great to hear when people appreciate it because a lot went into it. So. Good. Good. Anyway. Okay. Getting back on track. I had to like attend to that side note. Oh, uh, just to add to it though. Okay. When we were in the Mex old Mexican restaurant, <laughs> there were no good spots for photos. So I had oh. to create that here. <laughs> And now you are killing it left and right, the just like tables. good photos all the time. <laughs> the yeah, Instagram's been good to us. <laughs> what's it? Um, what's the experience been like? I had, I was lucky enough to be in here once upon a day when there was a savory option. Um, yeah. So I got to enjoy that, yeah. which is real cool. Um, what is? It been like being next to a culinary school and being like a food place next to a culinary school and what's that relationship been like are you guys mm. friendly are you guys is it a, <laughs> yeah, a bake-off every day <laughs> we're enemies um no i yeah, mean like? um i mean the pastry chef uh vince uh brightwater helped us like get started those first few days with some of those savory options too he made lots of breads for us and cakes um, and croissants so. oh man he probably saved my life a thousand times. <laughs> um, but yeah, now we're, I mean, it's always been in the spirit of collaboration um, that we've always encountered each other. And, and so we're always thinking of ways to work together. Um, just had a meeting this morning with one of the staff members about doing classes together. And so we're, we're wanting to, to make stuff happen. It's slow moving sometimes, but you know, we just opened. Yeah, yeah, we were thinking in the planning of coming up here that would be like, oh yeah, we'll have all these collaborative things and like, we'll the the students can do internships here and we'll do these things with our neighbors and it's it's gonna take time. It's and in Lauren's notebook. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Personally, I've I've gleaned a lot from Vince. Having he's probably got thirty years on me and a lot of that in the kitchen doing pastries and confections. So it's been nice to have a such a good resource 30 feet away. Well, could you give yeah. some examples of the collaborations you've been able to do with, I guess, everybody in the 8th Street Market, but what are some examples? We eat lots of tacos. <laughs> collaboration. <laughs> you you going next door to Yayo's and yeah, just eating yeah, the yeah, food. Yeah. That's the good collaboration. <laughs> I collaborate I'm with them all the time. beer as we speak. <laughs> FCC, sorry. Well, I think about like the Valentine's Day thing where it was like mm -hmm. chocolate and beer pairings. What a weird thing. Stuff like that. Yeah. You guys yeah. have other things like that on your mind. Yeah. There was this like whole curated date thing where they got beers and dinner and then desserts and then nightcap drinks here. So yeah, that was super fun. We got to work with the whole building. Sometimes it's, you know, it's one like us working with bike rack or um, 
individually, but that was fun for Valentine's because it was Brightwater, Bike Rack, Yeos, and us. That the the customers got to stop at each place, and I think that that was made for a really cool experience. Um, it's always fun working with everyone together, and um, yeah, trying to think. I was just talking with the, the pastry chef earlier today, and they're currently doing the chocolates segment of one of their courses. And so he's like, hey, do you mind if we just come by sometime next week and see the bean to bar process on a real scale instead of my little tabletop version? I was like, yeah, come on. So um, it, we've, we've gotten to get to know some of the students because, you know, they'll come in here and have a coffee or have sipping chocolate. So it's been neat just to kind of build the relationships with some of the students that are, you know, just next door. We have some collaborations that we've spoken about with Yeos, and they just haven't fully been developed yet, but there will definitely be some yeah. of that. Um, can you talk to us about some of that? We breezed over kind of like, oh, we do cocktails, and oh, we do non-alcoholic drinks, and we do pastries and different things with chocolate. Can you expound on some of that stuff? Because you mentioned the savory thing earlier. I had no imagination for someone said, like, if I was on uh, Top Chef or something, and they're like, here is chocolate, make it savory. I would not have any idea <laughs> like you, how to do that. If you or, throw it on the ground in the dirt, it, it, does that make it savory? Much less like, <laughs> here's chocolate, make uh -oh. it alcoholic. Like, those sorts of things. <laughs> like, my imagination for chocolate is like, oh, there's chocolate, and there's uh, dark chocolate, and uh, <laughs> uh, there's You s'mores. can put salt on it. That <laughs> tastes good, right? <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about, like, the uh imagination for creating new stuff and some of the products that you guys offer that are chocolate or cocoa peripheral cacao peripheral kind of the at the heart of what we do we is making chocolate so that's the bulk of our process um and then from there on the sweet side we you know we use our chocolate in the buttercream for our cake we make a mousse out of our chocolate we, you know, use it for the best chocolate chip cookies ever, maybe. Uh, <laughs> um, and then Forget we... the maybe. Yeah. We, um, on the chocolatier side of it, we um, do kind of a unique thing in that we're using bean-to-bar chocolate in bonbons and truffles instead of, you know, commercially available chocolate. Um, so it just has a lot richer, deeper flavor. Um, we've got a couple of the... I mean, cacao in itself is a superfood, so we've got some of the more healthy options as well. Lauren will is pretty pumped about those things. <laughs> I just like them. Well, what are some of them? I'm curious. Um. Okay. So, well, like our brain food. I don't know. Do you want to? Were you asking about the chocolate bars or what superfood stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, we developed a chocolate bar that's it's 85% dark. Um, we added um, some superfood powders that include uh, blueberry, acai berry, and maca root powder um, to the chocolate itself. Mm. Um, and then we add like blueberries and nuts on the back. We wanted it to be a healthy chocolate option. Um, you know, in a shop that I spend most of my life in, I wanted to have some healthy options just as a consumer of chocolate. Um, so that, I mean, honestly, I mean, I feel like I just create things because I like them. And I and hope other people, people do too. And, and other people do too. I mean, you kind of have to trust your gut and um, know that if you have like strong taste, like other people are going to like it. Mm. <laughs> most generally. Um, 
And at least that's my rule of thumb. Uh Um, So I made a superfood smoothie as well. um, And because I don't know, I like smoothies. And (laughs) um, so, and I, and I, I tried some at other like places that I traveled to and got some inspiration there. And, um, and I was like, I was just imagining what I wanted to drink in here <laughs> on a regular basis. Although I've ended up drinking more sipping chocolate than probably anything else. <laughs> um, no, but um, I just kind of like the superfood thing. Um, I like having healthy op- options. And so um, Sue's put together some really delicious superfood bonbons. Um, we kind of thought up, um, I mean, I don't know, I, I just like, I'm on Instagram and Pinterest and I look up cool ideas and cause I don't have a culinary background. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get inspired by looking stuff up and <laughs> I say, Stu, Hey, can you do this? <laughs> <laughs> Let me try. <laughs> and then on the drink side, um, yeah, cocktails, a lot of them involve liquors that we have steeped with cacao, 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 you just pulled a, like, that was the thing I was making fun of. I think you're just making it up. At Cocoa this point. nibs. I don't know. Yeah. So we've got chocolate bourbon. We make our own creme de cacao, chocolate Campari. Um, we've got a white chocolate liqueur, a coffee liqueur that we use. Um, so we brew, we brew coffee here. We serve wine. So it's a little bit of everything. Um, One of the ingredients that I get really excited about that we use at our bar that is a cacao product, but it tastes nothing like chocolate, is um, cacao fruit juice. Um, there is a company that we've been able to procure cacao fruit juice from. Um, I think they're one of the few, if only people that do it. Um, they have to, so basically, uh, when the cacao beans are harvested, they come inside these big kind of fleshy pods and, um, they're covered in a pulp that's juicy and there's juice that comes off of the beans and it's like tangy and tropical and fruity um, and it ferments really quickly. And so they have to flash pasteurize the juice at the farm or somewhere close. (laughs) Um, And, and it preserves this juice for us, which otherwise would be kind of impossible to have. And um, it's so delicious. Uh, We make a, like a cacao fruit juice soda that we're renaming to Markham's juice. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's a cool name. Maybe we'll <laughs> think of another one. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know that, and that's cool because Mar- Mar- Markham is my son's middle name, so it's a kid-friendly option. Yeah, <laughs> that was the inspiration. I cool. Guess. Um, yeah, it's it's a really I don't know tasty, tangy, funky way to experience cacao, but it doesn't taste like chocolate. So um, we use that in some of our cocktails as well. Um, it also benefits the the farmers in the regions where they harvest it because it's another source of income aside from just the cocoa beans. They mm-hmm. can buy the juice buy the yeah. juice from them. So gotcha. gotcha. Good little su- sustainable benefit. Awesome. Is there something else that you guys want to talk about, like, or dig into further? Chocolate dad. (laughs) (laughs) So, guys, we've started a new brand. Um, Different company. We're just, you know. It's just a silly Instagram making fun of me as a a dad (laughs) and a chocolate maker. (laughs) He's the brunt of my jokes. Our collective jokes now. We're coming out with a spring menu. Probably by the time you air this, it should be ready. Check it out on Instagram. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Tease.
That's I think that'll the be... only info I'm giving you. Okay. Good. <laughs> that'll have to be good enough. Well, Lauren and Stu, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, this has pleasure been a lot of fun. Pleasure's been ours. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm.